Sunita Puspura looks round, 2,000 metres to go, Sunita, and you could be world champion. She has been in marvellous form here. There is Puspura, she was half a length up on the world champion who came through her in the middle of the course, but Gemellan, you can see the distance now, it is some 12, 13 metres, this is Puspura's race to lose, she is on the form of her life, she's so loose in her shoulders, so powerful in terms of the drive face, so coordinated. We really fancied the form that Puspura was in, and here she is coming up to the 1,000 metre mark, looking absolutely dominant. Well, Gemellan just can't see just how far Puspura is leading it. But no doubt about the leader here, it is Sunita Puspura with a Clearwater lead over the world champion Janika Mellon of Switzerland. Coming down to the line, it will be a fight for the bronze. Wow, 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 what a distance. Puspura just winds up. She is now the fastest moving woman on this course. A sensational sprint finish. She looks for the line. It is just there, Sunita. You are going to get your first medal at a world champion. It will be gold. You have done it, Puspura. The world champion punches the air. The new world champion. She beats Janine Gamella, who gives up her crown. Last year in the World Championships, Puspura led from pillar to post. Determination on the face of Sunita Puspura. She's not looked out the boat. She's just in her zone. She's got fire in her belly. The Irish woman is tracked through. Ireland's Sunita Puspura. What a championship the Irish are having. Could this be a second gold medal for Ireland? Puspura looked across there. She did look across there and it was a look of almost sort of disregard. I am sculling my boat down the middle of my lane. I don't mind what you do, you've led it out through the first 1600 metres. But now Sunita Puspura has hit the front. She is at that 36 strokes a minute where she feels comfortable. And now she's moving with every stroke. She was looking round for the Red Boys. She's hurting the Irish woman there, but she's out in front in the gold medal position. And wow, she's the fastest moving boat on the course here, entering this last 200 metres, coming into sight of the crowds here. Sunita Puspura has never doubted her confidence in the Fregata, in the heat, in the quarter-final, in the semi-final. And now here in the final, she's been rowed down by Emma Twig in the first part of the race. But Sunita Puspura has found what it takes in the last quarter. She comes up to the line. The Irish woman takes another gold medal. Ireland second at this championship. Welcome to The Row Show. We're your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jake Green. And in this podcast, we're going to go into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a little bit about rowing. In South Africa, it brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. The best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, crucial role as high Compassion. Great. Passion, fiction, ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training. Pain. Pain. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to another awesome episode of The Row Show. Um, it's myself, Lawrence Britton and Jake's with me today. What's up guys? Uh, it's awesome to be back. Today we have a very, very epic interview with you. We're bringing you world champion Sunita Puspure from Ireland and uh, we had a really awesome chat with Sunita. Hey Lawrence. Yeah, Flip, it's a really cool chat. It's uh, it's very different to, you know, usually we chat to the, the athletes and they, you know, they have a very straightforward uh, progression into the sport and, and into their, their, their careers and Sunita did 
nothing by the book and went completely around roundabout way uh, into into her rowing career so it's a very different chat it's a very interesting chat um, just for those listening we recorded this episode uh, back in October 2019 so uh, this was one of the episodes that we we just didn't manage to get out uh, during the the Olympic year and now things have calmed down and that was just after Sunita had won her second world champs um, so it's still a really awesome episode and I don't think it takes away, seeing as though there's been no racing since then, I don't think it takes away uh, anything from the episode. Hey, Jake? Yeah, not at all. And um, I think it's really, we, yeah, like I said, we had a good chat. It was, I mean, coming off her, her second win at World Champs, she had a really dominant performance there. And, you know, I, I also know that we have a, a pretty strong Irish, Irish fan base um, for our podcast. So I'm sure those, those listeners out there, from Ireland are really going to enjoy this one and we're going to get to our episode shortly but just some quick housekeeping um, for those of you who don't know yet we are we've launched ourselves on PayPal and we are are currently available to be supported there and uh, we would really appreciate any support that you guys are willing to give and um, uh, go follow us on our social media links Twitter and Instagram is where we're most active it makes a huge help it, it's, it goes a really long way in, in helping us develop a podcast and getting our name out there and such a massive shout out to those who have supported us along the way It's uh, it's been a huge help uh, with us and going forward yeah, just a huge thanks to to those of you who have supported us already. And if you haven't supported us and can support us in another way, just by asking or telling one of your friends to to go and listen to the Row Show and and just build our our listenership a little bit more, that also make a huge difference. And yeah, otherwise, I think for 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 me, I mean, it was just a huge eye opener to the the hard work and dedication that she's put into her her rowing and her craft while balancing a, a family life and, and other pursuits. And I just big, big respect. Uh, to be honest, I think Sanita is nothing but a warrior. So it was a really cool episode. Sure, Jake. I don't think I can put it any better than you. So I think let's just get on with the show. Enjoy, guys. What's up, guys? It's been, it's been a long time since we've had an uh, interview on the air. But today we are speaking to Sanita Pespier from Ireland. Sanita, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was just going to say congratulations, obviously, on becoming a world champion for the second time. I'm sure that that must have been a great feeling. Uh, thanks, yeah. I think it doesn't really register until maybe later this year that I've done it twice in a row. Sometimes I have to rewatch the race to actually believe that happened. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. So I think I think uh, we're obviously going to get into to the World Championships and, and, and your goals, but I think we need to start right back because you have like a really crazy journey uh, through your rowing career and, and all sorts. So I think we must take it right back and let's just jump into to how you started rowing because uh, for the listeners, you started rowing in Latvia. So I think you've had like a really different journey to, to a lot of athletes. So maybe just start off like, what it was like and what it was like starting rowing and, and how you got into into rowing? Uh, yeah, so so I was born in Latvia and since I was very young, I remember I used to go out skiing and I was always very sporty and uh, just always loved activities and playing games and running around. And uh, funnily enough, uh, while I was beside the river, I never knew what the rowing was. And then it happened that we moved away from the kind of place where we're living, kind of countryside, and we moved into the capital. 
and within a half a year there was a rowing coach came into my school and she was looking for very tall girls and uh, although I decided to sit out that PE class for some reason just felt lazy or something um, all my tall friends were picked and I was like oh where are you going I want to go too so basically tagged along found the coach later on and signed up for rowing and I had absolutely no idea what I was signing up for um, she just said, oh, we're going to do lots of stuff during the winter because it's very cold. So they train indoors. They like play basketball, go swimming and skiing and all that kind of fun stuff. And I was like, yeah, sounds great. And then during the summer, obviously, we're going to row. And rowing, I actually thought I'm going to go kayaking. Um, but to my surprise, when she put us in a single, it wasn't a kayak. It was something completely <laughs> different that I wasn't thinking about. Um so that's how I signed up, yeah. I was about 15 or 16 around that age when I first started training for rowing. And uh, I loved it. I just loved it. The first rowing sessions we had was in the indoor rowing tank. And, like, we had massive blisters on our hands and everything. And I, I loved it. <laughs> it was weird. But uh, we had a great group training there as well. And it was all fun and games at that time. So that that's how I started yeah, and I think what's what's really interesting when we look at your career is obviously that you originally started rowing for Latvia and then you moved and started competing for Ireland internationally in 2010. I just wanted to ask, like, when you when you left Latvia and moved across to Ireland in in 2006, were you? I mean, were you were you was rowing still on your mind? Were you still uh, wanting to go back into the sport, or was it kind of like a a, a surprise that you found your way back into the sport once you had moved? Uh, well, when I was in training in Latvia, I went all the way up to under-23 level, and I suppose my biggest achievement was winning bronze at under-23 Worlds 2003. And then the last competition for Latvia race was 2004 University Championships, and we won that one in the double. And then after that, I, I was kind of thinking, well, I don't think I can go any further because, yeah, I was fast for some standard, but I was never fast enough to transition into the senior level. And I was finished with under 23 and had my few medals, and I thought, well, that's it. I'm happy with that, so I might as well just retire. And that was decision made, but um, then while I was working, I kind of thought, oh, maybe I should just try and get into university in America. And that's how I picked up rowing again. Uh, just to get like credit points, I studied as well at that time, and I just wanted to transfer. I was kind of like playing around. So d did you go study uh, in the States and then row a bit in, uh, in America? Well, that's another story. I did go for 10 days, and then I went back because my husband, I met him actually that summer that I was going to, I was kind of getting the credit points and got into the, into the university and we kind of madly fell in love and I said, well, I have to go because I got in and then he didn't get a visa and I did make made a promise that if he doesn't get a visa, I'll come back. And so I came back after 10 days. Yeah, so <laughs> that's our mad love story. But uh, going back to rowing, um, yeah, so basically I retired and obviously then... I met my husband and I thought like, well, that's enough with the rowing. We just focus on family life now. And that's what we did for a while. And when we did move to Ireland, we, rowing was nowhere near in our minds. 
we were just kind of, oh, we just stay here for a year, learn a bit more language and experience a culture, and then we go back to Latvia um, to build our future over there. But it just worked out a little bit differently. And it, it kind of sounds like, I mean, I know it obviously must have been a big decision at the time, but I think if you if you, if you you look at the, the bigger picture now, you know, the it, it, it almost sounds like that happened for a reason because, I mean, that the, your your destiny was uh, in Ireland and since you've done incredible things. How did you pick up the rowing oar again when you moved, when you were back in Ireland? Um, yeah, well, the funny thing was we were actually planning to go to UK at first and then things weren't working out. And my uncle at the time was living in Ireland and he said, well, just I have a room, come over and settle in and then you can find your own way. And within a week we were gone and yeah, that's how almost by accident we ended up in Ireland as well. Um, so we had, as soon as we arrived in Ireland, we discovered that, oh, we're actually expecting a baby. And um, then it was kind of big decisions to make, whether we're going to stay or we're going to move back to Latvia. And we decided to stay just because we just love the challenge and everything, you know. And um, so we stayed there with the baby and... Obviously, rowing was still nowhere near the plans and anything. And when I was pregnant with a second child, uh, our friends came over to visit us. And then we were moving, we were bringing them to the zoo. And the zoo is very close, actually, where the rowing happens in Dublin. As before that, I never knew where the rowing was there. And so we got lost. We missed the turn because there was no Google Maps at the time as well. So you could easily go wrong ways. Yeah. So we missed the turn and we ended up right beside the river where all the training was happening at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, look at that. There's lots of goats in the river. We definitely have to come back. And and that was the decision made. Um, I had to wait about four months until until the baby was out so I could go rowing. And that's how it started, really. Well, that's quite a, it's, it's quite an incredible story. And then, I mean... Uh, that, if that was in 2006, four years later, you will be competing for uh, the, your new country, Ireland, um, at the Third World Cup in 2010. Um, chat to us a bit about how how did you progress from picking up the sports again, and then over the years you must have you must have discovered that you still have passion and you still have the proficiency for the sport that brought you way back into the elite level. Talk to us a bit about how that progressed and how you found yourself in 2010 competing for Ireland at uh, the World Rowing Cup? Uh, I always had a passion for sport, it never really left me, so I was following all the racing even I had no idea uh, where the Irish crews trained and everything. Um, so even when I was pregnant, it was second child already, yeah, we went to Scotland to watch under 23 championships where I saw Emma Twig winning her gold medal over there. Um, so we kind of always kept an eye on rowing and everything, but um, the idea wasn't really to go internationally straight away at first, I just wanted to have some peace and quiet away from two small kids, you know, and uh, have my own time on the water and lose some weight after having kids. That was the kind of the first idea about training. And then I think within about five weeks or something, I did my 2K test and I was like, Okay, well, that was tough, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And I was very excited. And then, obviously, just 
I don't know how we came around the idea that I should represent Ireland in London, but as soon as we thought about it, it was just like seed was planted in my head, and that became almost like a mission. So the first time I put the boat in the water in Ireland was 2008, and yeah, 2012, I went to Olympics. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it is crazy. I think uh, a lot of people spent much longer than that just going to get to the first Olympics and um, I mean you've already you already had uh, some experience in the sport but I mean joining making such a big move starting a family and then picking up uh, rowing again and then within three seasons you racing at the Olympics in London it must be an incredible experience yeah like actually if I look back now I have no idea how we got there because like, I didn't train as hard as I am now, and obviously the results showed that I wasn't training as hard as I, na- I was now, but for me, getting to London was absolute mission impossible, yeah. and because uh, I knew it's a long shot, and yeah, I have no idea how we got there, to be honest. it was I think it was not so much the, the physical ability as much as the will to be there, and um, right. yeah, it was a very intense time. Uh, I think I was so consumed about that idea that I was living, breathing just for that, you know. And um, so, yeah, tough, tough times. <laughs> so, what was it like, uh, like joining now? You're joining a new team, the the Irish team, and you haven't rode uh, for for quite a while. And like, so, like picking up the sport, did it come quite quickly? Uh, like the technique and the and the physical elements of rowing, or was it quite hard that first maybe that first season getting back into the into the boat? Uh, well, I didn't get onto the Irish team for the first few years anyway. So the aim was just to train as, like as much as I can and as hard as I can at that time with having two small kids. Um, but there were like I had to train hard for my standard because. There were like cut-off times on the ergs to make the team and all that kind of stuff, and that was the targets that I had. And uh, so within a couple of years, I was already breaking my PBs before the kids, and that was kind of a good sign to me because <laughs> I thought like, well, if I can train even harder, I can probably go faster. Yeah. And uh, regards the Irish team, they've been been very good. I think they're such nice people. They're very welcoming, and we had. A, great team and the coaches were very helpful at that time as well so and I had so much support from rowing community since I started it's incredible um, like the volunteer coaches that put all the work in me and like helping to get equipment and everything because we we didn't even have money to buy boats and stuff like because everybody had to buy their own single so I always had people helping me to find the boat I could rent or then a, one guy from the club, he bought me both so I can race in London. And, and all the little things like came together. It was really nice. And yeah, I'm always, always going to be grateful for, for all the support I got from. And then like racing in London must have been incredible. I mean, everyone speaks about how the crowds were just like so outrageous because of like how, how big rowing is uh, in the UK. And then and like how exciting it was coming down the track with like just the m- amount of people on the banks. Yeah, it was pretty special, and it was so close to home, so there were so many Irish people going, and even though I didn't 
get into the A final, not even B final, I still felt like, like even the British crowd, because they didn't have a scholar, I almost felt like they adopted me for that regatta, you know, so it was very special. It was my first Olympics after such like hard work of getting there. Um, and fam- my husband, my kids were there as well. So it was really, really special moment. Yeah, I'm sure. And the crowds are unbelievable. No. <laughs> yeah, I was one of the people in the crowd. <laughs> I went to watch my, yeah. my brother race at, uh, at London. It was very cool. Yeah, no, it was pretty, pretty cool. No, London was, was an incredible Olympics. And I'm just interested, I mean, after racing London, you came, you won the C final in London in the Women's Skulls. And then talk about your mindset with the future, because I'm sure that experience at the Games must have set your mind on future in the sport. So talk to us a little bit about your mindset going from uh, the London uh, Games in 12 onwards to the next Olympic cycle, had you had you had it in your mind that you were going to keep rowing or after did the Games have a huge impact on your uh, your mindset going forward? Oh, I was so pumped going forward. I couldn't wait for the season to start. I took whole four weeks off after London and I did absolutely nothing. So it was really, really hard to come back because I was so unfit. But... Um, I enjoyed the struggle. Unfortunately, a lot of people kind of drifted apart from the team, so there wasn't many people to train with. So I almost like ended up on my own. There maybe was another person training with me at the time. So it was kind of a little bit boring, maybe. Um, but yeah, the sights were definitely set on Rio, and I thought like, okay, so I made Olympics in London. Now I just need to make get a medal in Rio, and that was kind of like idea for the for the next while. But obviously, you think one thing. Yeah, the plan was to stay and keep training and keep improving. And talk to us about your 2013 season because uh, you started, uh, you went to the, the first World Cup in 2013, but um, according to the results, you pulled out of that regatta and didn't compete for the rest of the season. But just a bit about that season. Did you get an injury or what happened uh, that in that year? Yeah, that was uh, my right off season and um, I was still motivated that I trained myself into the ground um, yeah. I wasn't recovering properly and we didn't have the same support team around us as we have now obviously and uh, what I found very stressful was the coach that we qualified to London together he decided to resign and I took it really hard um, and I think for about two or three months we had nobody coaching us and that's where I kind of uh, push myself into the ground because I wasn't supervised <laughs> and uh, yeah I think it's the recovery that I was really lacking on I definitely wasn't aging enough and <laughs> if I look back now I know the mistakes I made that's really uh, and, and I was just not able to get out of it uh, when the racing season started I was I was okay for about like 550 meters and then I was gone I couldn't keep up with the pace or do anything okay. it's just very burnt out uh, and again maybe it was the old the uh, emotional toll from the year before because I had to go to last qualifying regard and that was really tough and with the hype of London and everything maybe just needed a break yeah um, yeah and because uh, oh, yeah. we actually we often speak about how the like a coach is like it's their the job is much more to hold the athletes back if the coach has to like push the athletes on then like the athlete maybe like uh, not the right mindset whereas like most athletes the coach has to like hold the reins back otherwise then they do they train too they train too hard and like uh, and then hurt themselves 
yeah, that was the thing. I just made my own program, decided what I'm going to do that week, or uh, maybe we had a bit of a program, but obviously when I was feeling, I was getting ill every 10 days, and it was insane. Um, I was getting like sore throats and stuff, but I paid no attention to it, I just kind of pushed through it. Instead, I should have just taken a good week off, recover, and then slowly build back into it. But yeah, I think there was that you, if you're not supervised, you can get into a lot of trouble because there's no one telling you like what to do for the time. That's no, true. You want to be tough and strong and everything, but the toughest thing was to be a little bit gentle to yourself. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's definitely. Uh, uh, perspective and a lesson that um, we probably haven't spoken about too many times in the past. But I mean, the good thing about having times like that, I guess, is that uh, as you progress as an athlete or as you get through those periods, it just makes you so much more aware about what you can do as, yeah. uh, with your with your body and just with with the training block, and makes you much more um, circumspect about the way you approach training. I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think I learned a lot of things that year, and let's say I, I definitely found out more about my body, uh, how I'm reacting to things, and what signs to look out for if things are not going well and stuff. It definitely did teach me a good few lessons, but yeah, unfortunately the season was completely right off, and and uh, well, I had to, I got to go on holiday to see my friends and family for three weeks in Latvia that summer, so that was a bonus. That we don't usually get, and um, yeah. I enjoy that. So there's always a positive side to everything, you know. Yeah, that's very really cool. Um, did you do? And then on top of this, were you working as well, uh, or were you like training full time, or were you or do were you working part time as well? What during your training? No, I think since we moved to Cork to do, like we lived in Dublin first for five years and then because I wanted to get myself in the best possible place for qualifying for London, we moved to Cork where the National Rowing Centre is and as soon as we moved, I became a full-time rower and, and there was no more working okay. because it was it took quite a lot of time and with two kids as well, I wouldn't really have time for yeah, everything. I'm sure your hands um, must have been full with, uh, with just the training and having children yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the school started, so there's pickups and drop-offs and, and making sure I finish training by this time because I have to pick up kids or, yeah, it was it was intense, but it was well worth it. I'm sure. Yeah. And then, Sunita, going forward, I mean, 2013 obviously was a tough season, but you learned a lot of the lessons, I guess, that season. But, you know, when we look back at the results, and if you look at everything in the big picture, 2014, the does seem to be a sort of breakout year for you because uh, your results did improve quite significantly that year. You picked up your first medal on senior stage, which I'm sure must have been quite memorable uh, by winning the bronze medal at the European Champs. And then, of course, you had a crack at World Champs, uh, finishing fourth just behind the medal table. And not only, you know, that result was great by its own, you were you're competing against really well-known rows at the time. I mean... Kim Brennan and uh, Emma Trigg were in their prime at that stage. So I'm sure 2014 must have been an incredible season for you. Yes, it was. And I think it was because I was so key, you know, getting back back to racing as well. I was like, you know, the tiger locked in the cage and then let out. <laughs> I was very excited. Um, also, I had a new coach by then and he's a 
technical genius. So we did, while well, I couldn't train to the full capacity, uh, we did spend time on the water just playing around, just trying to find those technical bits and pieces that, that make the ball go faster. And uh, if I look at my development technically, then when I was a junior, I was actually rowing better than I was rowing like, hey, at the time I went to London and 2013 because I was light, I was more like, you know, lightweight type of rowing, um, more efficient. As then, after kids, I just got stronger and I started pulling and doing things that I shouldn't be doing in the boat. And now, after 2013, we started kind of cutting all, cutting back and starting paying a bit more time to all those tiny little things that make the difference in, from technical perspective. So... Uh, yeah, I think that was the kind of year when we started changing a lot of things. The program changed a little bit, so I found it a little bit harder to train, but I enjoyed it a little bit more as well. And um, and obviously the technical changes, like the improvements I started to feel in the boat, kind of gave me a new boost. And yeah, the European medal was um, like I raced that heat at Europeans, and I didn't didn't do well, I think. And then I think my my husband gave me a bit of a bollocking there, so I had to pull my pull my socks off and and do what I can do, and uh, yeah. So and then it got better, and then I got the medal, and I was absolutely blown away. And like how and it was so close to Mirka won that year, and I was so close to her, and I was absolutely ecstatic about the result. Um, yeah, and then we went on to the world, and I finished fourth. I thought we peaked really well for that event as well. Yeah, that was enjoyable here. I, I enjoyed that. What was it like racing? Um, like, obviously, now you've kept uh, you kept up with rowing over all the years, and you've been watching a lot of racing. And now you like, I think, I always think the single is quite unique because like the the single is quite big, like personalities or like uh, like the heroes of the sport are often in the in the single. So, what was it like uh, getting into the into the boat and like racing against these people that you've watched for like a long time and probably have quite a lot of respect for? Oh. Definitely, like, I've been looking up to Karsten for so many years and just seeing how fast she was for so long, you know, and uh, I think, I don't remember when I was very close to her, but, like, when you get kind of within a touch with those people, you're just like, oh my God, that's amazing, you know, <laughs> it's like you have so much respect for them, you're almost afraid to beat them, but then there comes time after obviously when you're like you know what enough is enough now I'm gonna have a good crack at it <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah she was I don't know did I beat her I might, yeah I did beat her maybe once but like up until the last day she raced I think she was whooping my ass all the time <laughs> yeah incredible people like and you can only imagine how much head strength they have and um, yeah pretty cool to be part of such kind of elite group of people that yes. can be a little bit nuts to enjoy the single yeah no there's not there's not there's not a lot of people in the in the top group there of the of the single that's a very cool yeah. group to be in i'm sure to be yeah. fair i was absolutely terrified to race single at first i i'd race any other boat double i thought was my preference all the time like i was absolutely like dreading being on the start line in the single on my own but then I learned to love it and now yeah I'd, I'd rather be in a single although occasionally it's fun to be in a crew boat as well but um, 
yeah, it wasn't the love of the first stage for me in a single scout, but we got there eventually. Do you race in yeah. the in the single? And you race in the other boats or, or train in the other boats through the season at all? Uh, yeah, sometimes I get a chance. Now we have quite a big sweep group, so if I want to go out in a crew boat, I have to just drop a stick and <laughs> and go go. I prefer bow side. Sometimes I go stroke side as well because beggars can't be choosers, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I love occasionally jumping in. It's more even testing your skills and seeing how well you can adapt in into something that you don't usually do on a daily basis. And yeah, I love those sessions because it's a challenge. It's a little bit different from a single, well, there's more people in a boat, which is more fun as well. And uh, and then you're trying to make it work. Obviously, I, ho- I don't really have much clue of how to sweep, but then girls are giving me small tips, like, and then you just pick them up and you try to work on them and then you have like immediate feedback that it's getting better. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's, I think the change is as good as rest sometimes, and um, if if someone's missing from from the team for a day or two, I'll gladly take their spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, and then Sunita, so after twenty fourteen, uh, you raced twenty fifteen, and I'm sure it must have been a little bit disappointing because in twenty fifteen, at World Champs, you finished eleventh, um, which was uh, probably way less than, way further back than you were expecting but um going into the olympic qualifying year it must have been quite a tough year again because you were back on form winning uh, you won on podium in the first world cup and again you won a bronze medal of the european champs but i mean we spoke we mentioned it earlier you had to go to the final qualification um just i guess shall i talk a little bit about like what's it like racing at the final qualification together because uh, a few people have gone but it is super stressful because of the limited qualification spots. I'm sure it must have been um, a tough regatta to be in, but you managed to pull through. Yeah, I can't believe I've done it twice. It's insane. Um, when I failed to qualify in 2015, I was really, really upset. Like I, I didn't know how things could go so wrong from being fourth the year before to being 11th the next year and not even being in a... Like, I was in a better shape. I think I just really burned myself out thinking about it all the time. And uh, that was a necessary thing that, that I put upon myself. Um, yeah, so we came back home and as soon as we got back training, the qualifying in May was the only thing on my mind. And I knew how intense it was already. And I did everything I could every single day to put myself in the best possible place for that regatta. And uh, going into it, I knew there's going to be four good girls going for three spots, and I was just like looking at the lineup and who do I pick? Like, who's going to be the one not to go? You know, there was myself, Emma, Kirsten, and Fee, and you just look at and you just don't know. And then I think the relief came when they added the fourth spot to the qualifying as well, and it was almost like. I actually think I cried that day when I saw they're adding a spot because I thought, oh my God, now I just need to make sure I do everything I, and don't screw this up, you know, because it, it was way more realistic now that all four of us will go. And uh, yeah, and it was very stressful, but I had a few teammates over there kind of supporting me and um, I could go and talk to them when I felt really overwhelmed and 
you just focus on one day at a time, one one race at a time, and just battle away your way through it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy because both. Uh, both <laughs> I would not recommend. <laughs> yeah, both Jake and I have raced at the final qualification. I raced in 2012 in the pair and I didn't make it, and Jake raced in the four for in 2016 and 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 got the spot. So we both know how brutal that regatta is. Yeah. I would not want to no, do that twice. Yeah, and yeah. the funny, I remember our coach saying to us, just be prepared for the pressure because he always loved to say that people will sell their mothers at the 1K to get to the finish line first, so just be prepared. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, what I did as well in the last one, just with a 1K to go, just put the next gear in and just go and never look back and yeah. I was absolutely delighted being so close to Emma as well like I only lost like two seconds so for me that was like okay that's a good showing so now we just need to get ready for Rio which was an absolute yeah. disaster <laughs> yeah I mean I'm sure I mean looking at at your result in Rio I'm sure that must have been a, 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 a rare disappointment for you because uh, you finished um, top of the final again, the same as you did in London. Um, yeah, and yeah. I mean, if, if we look back at the racing, I think you had probably the hottest quarter final at the regatta. You had the Chinese Kim uh, Kim Brennan and Carsten in your quarter final, and it was so close. I mean, you lost out by uh, a progression spot by half a second. So, I mean, the, the cool thing about the sport is sometimes it comes down to really close margins. And especially yeah. in the skull, when there's so many entries in the boat, your progression can be really tricky sometimes. You can get drawn into really tough races. So, yeah, just chat to us a bit about Rio and, and, and how that what was that like. Yeah, it was after disaster. It actually almost broke me. Well, very close to the breaking point anyway. And, um, well, you see, it was almost like a chain reaction from that heat we did in those conditions. We shouldn't have done it. It was unfair to make us do it, and it wasn't rowing. It was just surviving, floating to the finish line. This is not what your four years of work should go into. Um, so, yeah, I still hold the grudge for for the decision that was made to let us race in those conditions. It was absolutely stupid. And uh, and just after the results from the heats, that's where it all went wrong. Like the the it kind of disturbed the natural order of progression that you would usually have in a regatta when the weather's fair and rollable. Um, yeah, no way Kim would come in third in her heat. Yeah. You know, we all know we all know that, though she shouldn't have been in my quarterfinal. And, uh, but I suppose you make your own luck in a way, and I should have been prepared to fight a little bit harder in that quarterfinal. I think my spirit was broken before I even got on the water, if I'm completely honest, because I just thought, oh my God, this is like qualification for Olympics all over again. Like, you know, and I think uh, maybe if I would have slapped myself in the face a few times before the start, maybe it would have gone differently. But I think, yes. uh, yeah, mentally maybe I should have been in a better place to race that that quarterfinal. But I mean, like. The people who got through, you wouldn't say that they wouldn't deserve to be in the semi-final, you know. Yeah. So somebody had to take the blow, and unfortunately, that was me. Yeah, it was yeah. very tough, and especially knowing that it could have been a very different story. Yeah, especially when yeah. The, when the weather or like some outside uh, 
factors are playing a are playing a role because I mean I, I, we were racing in the pair, so we were the races after the women's skull for that on the heats day, and we were warming up. We just could not believe that the racing was going down the track, and then like we yeah. were warming up and we like barely put the strokes together, and like I was like no, I'm sure they're gonna call this, and then Sean, uh, my my partner was like no, the women are racing down now. There's no way they're gonna call this this racing off. So it was like <laughs> well, we were so really, blown away. You couldn't really call it racing. I, yeah, I it, remember I had water up to my toes in the boat, and just the last 500 meters, I think it was when we kind of self bailed out a little bit. <laughs> but it was absolutely ridiculous. I remember at one stage I was throwing one arm because I was being thrown in the lane beside me, so I had to stop and put myself straight otherwise I would have gone in 90 degrees across the course you know uh, yeah. yeah it was it was absolutely ridiculous it was madness but then obviously that yeah. was a really a really tough uh, tough regatta for you to be at so let's move along because uh, <laughs> obviously we we're touching some soft moves here so so let's go on to to this Olympic cycle uh, the 2020 Olympic cycle so starting 2017 I mean obviously you had a lot of unfinished business because you've had a touch of, of really good speed over the last few years and now coming into the 2017 season uh, you must have really started that with with hunger but also with the knowledge of you know how to train properly how to how to execute the the whole block because obviously you you've had some tough years where you've had to learn a, a lot of hard lessons yeah well 2017 wasn't the Best year I've had, but we had a better finish at the World Championships. Uh, after Rio, my coach was let go. So it was another blow for me because I took it really hard the previous time and then I took it quite hard that time as well. And uh, But then, as it kept happening, there's going to be more of this later on. Uh, I kind of started learning that, okay, I can't be so dependent on people. I just need to be a bit more independent so and that's when I started learning that and uh, so again started making up my own programs and training up until Christmas until we got a new coach and it took me a, quite a while to start trusting the coach we had after Don Sean Casey and uh, that's why I think the World Cup season didn't go so well and not just that because I was getting quite ill quite often as well and I got ill at Europeans. I, I was in a great shape, and then at the airport on the way to Europeans, I was starting to get ill, and I couldn't race it at the end. Um, so that was another blow. But uh, the World Cup season didn't go as good as I would want to. But I suppose everything was a stepping stone. Uh, Belgrade, I was just like a bit sluggish, and I didn't race well. I got into the final, so that was good. But then. Europeans I couldn't race and uh, then the next was at Poznan yeah um, I was just after coming back after the illness it was quite a nasty one so it took me a while to get over it and we had a bereavement in the family as well so it was all quite stressful time and uh, that was the time when my stepdad was diagnosed with cancer as well so it was just like a lot of things coming together that you don't want and um but that's life, you just have to deal with all the blows and curveballs and everything. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and in the third, I made a conscious decision to 
start trusting my coach 100% and do the best we can from the CERN to the world to see if we can make good changes and make more go faster. So it was almost like I let go all the emotional baggage I had and just relaxed and started trusting somebody to to help me to get to the better place. And I think that's when we turned the corner before a lot of that. I think when we, we look at how the, I mean, obviously, I think we look at a lot of stories about the elite athletes. These, they have some seriously trying times in this, their journey. And I think if we look, if you look at your, how your journey has been going, like since those world champs in Sarasota, it has been, you know, uh, it has been much, a much more like successful, uh, rowing journey for you. Um, I mean, you finished fourth at, at Sarasota, and again, you were really close behind on the bronze medal, and I'm sure you must have had, especially after quite a tough season, the raw belief that you really do have what it takes. And then starting the 2018 season right off the bat, you came, got a silver medal in Belgrade. And I'm sure for your mind, your mindset, you must have been really excited for what the rest of the season had for you. Uh, yeah, if I go back to Florida as well, like the first, the heat I was racing against Janine and I was so close to her at the finish and that's where we started implementing my race plan that I actually use up to this day. Um, and then it worked and I was like, almost like, oh, okay, I didn't expect to be so close, but great, I'll take it. So we moved into the next round and, uh, well, she moved into the next round. I had to race the rep, but which was good because I think sometimes extra race just gives you kind of a bit more sharpness and stuff. And then the semi-final, it was really close again. Um, and I was like, okay, like maybe I have a shot at this. And uh, yeah, in the final, I think maybe I panicked slightly or something. I think maybe didn't believe even 100% that I could medal or the wind changed or something. Yes, I think I kind of so got accustomed to racing that wind we had in the heat and, and the semi that I couldn't switch over and race that cross, was it cross tail or something like that in Florida. And that kind of made me a bit more sluggish and yeah, again, missed out on a medal. I fourth again, you know, for second time being very close to the podium. And that was when I decided, you know what, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I just want to win it next year. And I had no idea how I'm going to do this because I was a bit off the pace at that stage. Uh, but what happened then is my coach was let go again. So, and I was really pissed off. And uh, we had a new director coming in, a new coach coming in. Uh, so and now I decide, you know what, despite of all of you, I'm going to do well. And I refused to do the new program until like February because I thought it was way too hard and I won't be able to handle it, knowing my previous experience with getting ill very often and stuff. So I kind of resisted, resisted until February and then I was like, oh, what's the point? I just might as well join them. <laughs> so and then we started working on it and, you know, I still had quite a lot of skepticism in me for, for them and... I think it's just like when you're a scholar as well, you don't want to trust anybody straight away. There's a bit of a kind of caution with every change and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it took a while to warm up to them. And uh, when we went to Belgrade, I saw, okay, the program is working and I've only been doing it for this few months and 
actually I was injured for a month and a half and sitting on a bike. So yeah, it's been working well. So let's just see what we can get from now until the next World Cup. And Lucerne went well as well. And and yeah, and then we went to the train, hardest training camp I've probably done in my life. And uh, yeah, and then we went on to Worlds and won it. It was amazing. Yeah, I'm sure that must be incredible. And I mean, even even if you backtrack a little bit, I must say that I still remember watching that that race in the Cern. That that sculling race in the Cern was maybe one of the the more exciting uh, sculling races of this cycle because it was neck neck and neck uh, all the way to the line. I mean, at one stage you you had no idea who was going to cross the line first. And I mean, with, considering that you were so close to Janine, who had at that stage never lost um, since the beginning of the cycle. It must have been a huge boost going forward, just having confidence in your training program and the system going forward. Yeah, it was definitely, um, it was like confirmation, okay, the training's working, just stick with it, no matter how hard it is. Um, like, the idea always in the sun was, in the final, try to stay as close as I can during the middle, because that's where she used to pull away from everyone. And... Uh, I think at one stage during the race, I remember walking over and saying, oh, she's hasn't, she hasn't pulled away yet. So it's kind of like very encouraging to me because I was expecting her to be further ahead. And then I remember the last 30 strokes, it was just like trying to lift the boat out of the water every stroke. And that's how I got so close to her. But um, yeah, I was very excited about that race. And uh, it was really good to be so close to her. Yeah. Just heading into the world, yeah. So, um, I want to ask, like, so, like, obviously now you've been in the team, this is your, the eighth year of, of competing uh, in the Irish team, and, and it's changed, it's it's changed a huge amount. I mean, you've had new coaches a couple every couple of years, and the actual yeah. athletes have now changed a huge amount, and, like, you keep uh, having to make these, like, commitments to, okay, let me just change and go with it and trust that this process is going to work. Talk us through like the the like the mental process of, of being able to make that change and you know because I mean I think a lot of athletes get quite stubborn and quite stuck in in their way and 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 how how their way works. Whereas like how did you make be able to make these these big changes and 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 have this huge trust in in what the team was was trying to achieve? Yeah, it like if you would ask my coaches, I will, um, still maybe not the sometimes not the nicest person to work with. <laughs> uh, you see, I'm in a single and I'm not like, I'm still young, but I would be on the mature side of an athlete, you know, and at that age, who likes to be told what to do? Nobody. And uh, say after Flyers, I thought when we turned the corner with Sean Casey, I thought like, why is he let go? Like we were doing so well. Okay, fine. We didn't win the medal, but we weren't far off. So if we keep doing what we're doing and just do a little bit better next year, we have a chance of winning a medal. And obviously that was my arguing point, but it wasn't good enough and the things still happened. And then, yeah, I think first you resist everything and then you just, you know, be very stubborn and say, no, I'm going to do it my way and that's it. But then as your anger wears off a little bit, you're just like, well, suppose... It is more fun to train with a group, and and uh, it is easier to do what everybody else is doing because you're not on your own doing your own thing. Then, so it kind of it made sense just to kind of give in and, and give it a good shot. And 
yeah, I wouldn't say I'm the favorite person of the coaches or or a director, but at the same time, like I hope they do understand why I didn't jump on opportunities straight away as well. It's just the, it's just the way I am. I wouldn't be the most trusting person from the first sight to anyone. So, um, yeah, it took a while, but now I think that's again the lessons I've learned over years is just. You sometimes you have to be open to change, and it might be for better. Yeah, it's really yeah. impressive. I think it must it must have been really tough to to make some of those steps. Um, but it must be such a good feeling to to know that sort of those hard choices you've made, like you've made the the right choice often, and and you've come away with like now better and better results, which is is very cool. It must be really cool to look back and see that. Yeah, you see. If I would have known I had such engine in me all the time, maybe I would have agreed to do everything much earlier. But I knew I'm strong, I'm powerful, but I never knew I can train that much harder to actually discover another gear in me, you know. And I suppose that's that's their job that they did, and I'm always going to be grateful for that that they pushed me so hard. But also, that I discovered I can go faster and yeah. race differently, you know. Yeah, it's so important though for athlete to to also have that stubbornness though, and that like that that drive and a belief in themselves as well. They can't just be like, oh, every new idea that comes to them to to be taking it on and, and trying something different. Otherwise, then it's not going to work that way either. Yeah, true. And you know, when I was listening to Kim's podcast as well, she was saying that she was lucky enough to have like very good people. Always, she was thrown into the elite group straight away, and she learned all the ropes, everything much faster. As I, I didn't really have all that. I had to kind of uh, battle through the nettles myself, and there wasn't anyone going. Like there was no heavyweight scholars to show me what to do and how to race or anyone. And uh, like after Beijing, we were the kind of people that rebuilding the road winning squad going into London, and we were all young enough and unexperienced. So, yeah, it's just slightly different, but being stubborn, yes, I think, well, sure, that's what makes an athlete, I suppose, you're just, you know, refuse to give in, and that's what you need, uh, those, <laughs> yeah, those you, sharp edges in your, curse, you in your personality. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's, that's definitely uh, a quality, I think, you find in most successful athletes, I think it's, um, and it's really important to getting through all the hard stuff and then sticking to your guns. Um, but it goes, Sunita, it goes against you sometimes as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, it does, it does go against you. It's, it's, I think it's all about finding the, the right balance uh, between yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah. And Sunita, I'm, I'm interested. I mean, you be, you, you're talking about um, how the training program has become way more intense, but you've adapted to it so well. Um, and you've also spoken in the past about like burning out and like maybe pushing yourself too hard. I'm interested. What changes have you have you made to be able to cope with such a heavy training program and not burn out? I mean, what what things have you done to ensure that you can get all this really hard work done and not burn out? Uh, I shouldn't tell my secrets out loud. <laughs> no, it's not a secret. I just um, we had a really good nutritionist working with, still have uh, working with us and. Basically, we went through all the intake and output uh, calories and everything, and yeah, it just turned out I was really in a, about fifteen hundred calories deficit every day. So, um, oh, yeah, and you know, I think it's the 
female athletes in general probably would be prone to do that because I mean like we all want to look mean and lean and everything but you know I don't mind to be a bit chubbier during the winter so I can sustain the load and then the summer work does the job anyway but to lean you up uh, and yeah eating more was one of the things we kind of started doing and Maybe because of that, I don't know, maybe just the mental toughness or or just getting on with things kind of made it a little bit easier to tolerate the load. It's not easy. Like, I mean, there's days when I can't walk up the stairs and I live on the first floor. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, I mean, I think it's almost kind of um, being ready to do whatever it takes yeah, without I also, I mean, questioning we've, we've talked, it. Yeah. We've, we've talked... We, Spoken about all these lessons that you've, you've had to go through, and, and like really tough times. Spoken about the, like the, the disappointment at the Olympics and courses leaving. I mean, there's there's a time, there's definitely a sense that you need to have these qualities like to harden you up in a way, so you can just get to the, the revelation of okay, whatever I'm going to do, whatever it takes to get it done. And it's one thing saying you're going to do whatever it takes; it's another thing actually going and, and, and doing it and actually. Uh, reaching the training in that mindset. Yeah, and I mean, there are days when, and I'm sure you know it, you go out and you're like, oh, I absolutely hate this, I don't want to do it, and then you start doing it and you get around it. So it's, it seems like it's, it's served you in good stead because you ended 2018 season becoming world champion, and you didn't just become a world champion by a small margin, you put five seconds into mean and in a way I'm sure it wasn't comfortable but it it was a a definitive win for you and I'm sure that feeling of finally becoming a world champion and and all that hard work paying off it must have been incredible yeah it was very special Um, and the fact that I had my husband my kids over there my friends from boarding school that I went together um, and all the Irish supporters as well it was really really special regards to me and yeah, obviously I didn't expect to win by that kind of margin, but um, yeah, well, it just worked. I think the preparation we did that year before the Worlds was really tough, and I suppose the benefits were, you could see the benefits there on, on the water, and then we realised it was well worth it, all the all the suffering during those weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny how a seven-minute race can can change many years of suffering and make them a lot more pleasant. (laughs) It was more, I felt massive relief because I think of all the people, my husband has been the one who always knew I can do something better than I've done before. And he's been, I think he's disappointed about Rio on a much higher scale than I was. And he absolutely hates remembering Rio. Just yeah, like you see, for me, I get disappointed and I find a way to get over it. As for him, it was, he's still really disappointed yeah. and uh, about that result. But I think he was the one person who always believed that I can do much better and roll much faster. And I was always, but I'm doing my best. What else do you want me to do? And I think he just knew I had more in me. and uh, But I struggled to believe myself that I did. So yeah. and now I see what he meant, you know, and and I it's a massive relief to see him not being disappointed anymore. 
Yeah, that's because he's been such special. a massive part of all this journey, and without his support, I won't be able to do any of this. Like, yeah, yeah. that's really yeah. amazing. That's really special. And then the I want to ask, like, what is the like the self talk and the the mental game like through through the the week of that World Champs, uh, like going through the heats and the and the semis and like. What is it like going into the final, knowing that uh, that you actually could could achieve your dream? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> no, it's like I learned to do things very simple, just one race at a time. Don't think too far ahead, which is quite hard to do sometimes when you know, like, okay, my results on the paper now look pretty good. So I wonder how it's going to be in the final, but I haven't raced the semi-final yet. So then I'm kind of slapping myself not not literally uh, kind of get back into your box and only think about the next race or even just the next day or the pre-paddle or, or whatever you know and uh, just kind of breaking that process in small little things not not to jump ahead too far um, yeah like I'm using girls for distraction quite a lot just annoying them or going for the walks and stuff going shopping which was great in Linz because we lived quite uh, we stayed very near to the all the shops and everything, so that was always gonna handy to distract yourself and go buy something. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, when you get onto the start line, you just think about first few strokes, and then the race plan kicks in. So yeah, I kind of try, and I use the same race plan for all the races, and. Uh, um, there might be different calls, let's say, for the markers and stuff, but usually the same race, yeah, same race plan. And it's been working very well, so I'm gonna. Yeah, we can see it's been working phenomenally. Um, and then obviously 2019, it's been, again, a, a really good year for you. I see uh, you became European champion for the first time. I'm sure that was um, was a, uh, another box to tick. Um, I'm interested to ask Anita because it seems this season that you you, um, you didn't race as much as you did previous years. Was that a, a deliberate thing or was it more of a, like a strategic way of, of targeting uh, the important one? Well, if I start with Europeans, then I definitely did not expect myself to win there because I was in a very good form. I think I was a little bit under-recovered going into it. and. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like comfortable the way I rode. Technically, it wasn't great, but in the final, I was just desperate. I think it was the fear that motivated me, <laughs> and I just felt like, listen, all I can do is just give myself the best shot. And because, and like after I finished, I was shaking my head in disbelief, like, oh my god, this actually worked. Uh, it's insane. Uh, but about the racing, yeah, yeah, there was a plan to race Rotterdam as well, but. Um, my sister was diagnosed with cancer to, back in 2017 just after Florida and uh, yeah she sadly passed away right in the weekend of Rotterdam and before that I spent three weeks in Latvia with her trying to care for her as much as I can helping my mom and just be with her for the last final weeks oh shit that's terrible I'm, I'm sorry to hear that to me so it must have been Thanks. quite an awful yeah. experience to go through yeah, it's kind of, it's a bittersweet summer, and um, when I went over to stay with her for those three weeks, I was training mostly indoors on the Erg, and 
I did not know how much speed I'm going to lose over there. And uh, yeah. I didn't, obviously, I couldn't train to the full capacity, so I was kind of taking it back a little bit so I can be with her and just get training done and then go back to her again. And uh, as soon as, um, after the funeral, we went back home after a couple of days and 10 days later, I was on a camp already. So I had no time to process what had happened. Yeah. And uh, at that time, like the training camp was really hard because like, I was so tired. And then, you know, when you're very tired, you tend to feel sorry for yourself a little bit more. Yeah. So and by having all... But then when we yeah. went to the Worlds, I kind of made a decision just to switch it off completely as much as I could and just get into that bubble for racing. And then I made myself promise when I get back home, then I can let it out again. And, and that's what I did. I kind of stayed really focused for those couple of weeks in Lens and tried not to think about it too much, although it was obviously not working all the time. And... Uh, yeah, I couldn't wait for everything to be over so I can actually go home and process what had happened. And the, the result at World Champs must have been even more special, considering the the year you've had. I mean, to walk away again with such a definitive uh, win at World Championships, it must have been super special um, for you to become world champion again. Yeah, it definitely was, and uh, you know, like I'm sure she was there with me when I was racing. Yeah. And, uh, no, for sure. Sure, that's that's uh, yeah. oh, that's very hectic, and it's just cancer is just so crazy. I mean, it's just like I mean, there's no one that we really speak to any anymore that hasn't been like brutally hurt by, by, it. by yeah. it. Yeah, it's really, really crazy. No, it's it's awful. And I remember when I came back after a funeral, I I had to go training and do all the pieces, and like I remember one particular session, I had massive breakdown on the water. I started crying and my coach had to be my psychologist to talk me through the grieving process and just make sure that I'm okay to keep training, you know, and he did a great job in fairness and, um, yeah, I, I'm quite thankful for all the support they gave me over the summer and all the trust they put in me that I'd be able to do all the training, even being away from, from the training centre and not being supervised and everything, so they kind of left it up to me and yeah 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 it's so important to have um, that like that support structure to just to help you through i mean because these are like these are things that you can't really deal with by yourself absolutely i mean if you have to go through this alone it's terrible like yeah i, I was lucky enough i had i had coaches talking to me my friends talking to me my husband and and psychologists and everyone and uh my physios, they're like people I trust. And yeah, it was very important to have that team of support around. And uh, it's almost like they carry you to the, all the bad times and put you in the boat. Now it's my my time to work, you know, and it almost feels like the smallest bit to do, just to race the yeah. race. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I suppose. But I mean, it's, it's all an incredible testament to your ability as an athlete to, to be able to cope under those kind of pressures. So, I mean, the serious, serious amount of respect for for your ability to perform and cover with the gold medal. I mean, that's it's incredible. Thank you. Well, Sunita, we we are towards the end of the interview, so 
Um, we usually do quick fire questions, and knowing that you've listened oh, no. to episodes <laughs> in the past, it's your time to sit in the hot seat. Um, oh, so uh, the, the uh, no, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Now the pressure's on. So uh, the first question is: If you could race in any world class at the Olympic Games, what would it be and why? Oh, the single, of course. It's easy. Still sticking to the, the team talk is much shorter. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, nice. so even after you've raced the single, you're still like you're not like tempted. Oh, okay, if I had a chance, I'd go and give it the eight to crack or or something else. Okay, after that. Um, well, we have a dream of making up an Irish eight at some stage. So, <laughs> if I'm still around and not retired, that would be the boat. Yeah, I think it's yeah. it's quite uh, it's quite interesting because cool. like the the size of the Irish team and the size of the South African team are quite similar. And like uh, also, we yeah. always had this like <laughs> the dream of racing the eight. And like even though it's like completely yeah, almost it's, impossible, it's, <laughs> it's uh, it's just still like such yeah. a dream. So yeah, it's really funny. Yeah, you see, there were times when we had to put the eight from like lightweight to heavyweight. As now, we can actually do just the heavyweight eight. So we're at that stage now. So I'd say we're a bit ahead of you there. Yeah, although we did manage to put uh, a heavyweight eight on at uh, the Peluco Regatta uh, earlier in the year. We we, oh, mixed, we, well. we mixed every everyone together. We raised the eight. <laughs> it was quite brutal. <laughs> yeah, that there was lots of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, eight. We'll do the eight. <laughs> All right. Then the next question is, if you could choose any three people from any time and from anywhere in the world to row in a pod with, who would your three crewmates be? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Male, female, anyone? Any, anyone. You can anyone. choose, you can choose uh, imaginary characters if you really <laughs> want to. You will, it'll still be um, allowed. <laughs> okay, now here we go. Oh, I don't actually know. Okay, I'd love to sit in the boat with Karsten just to feel like her power in the boat, you know. Because yeah. she's such a powerful woman and I just want to feel the way she rolls and stuff. Who else would we push in that winning quad? Um, suppose we go for two boys. Okay, we'll put Mahe in as well because he's been winning a lot of Olympic medals. Yeah, and he's, um, he's a phenomenal athlete also. Yeah, it'd be good to pick his brain a little bit as well because he seems to have a lot of wisdom yes. about how to race and all that. Um, yeah. One more person. I put Jevy in. She's very efficient. I like yes. the way she makes the boat run. When she was stroking grade 8, it just ran amazingly well. So, yeah, we'll take Jevy as well. Sure. She's a good friend well, of mine. I yeah. could put more in, but I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. already yeah, chosen. That'd be an interesting quad there. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a very interesting crew, and you've chosen some yeah. notoriously stubborn athletes. People. Yeah, <laughs> we probably go nowhere because we would row so differently. <laughs> yeah. That's very funny. That's, That's okay. awesome. Sure. We'll uh, make it work. Okay. I'm sure. And also, maybe you don't want to race. Maybe you just want to row with them and, and have a good session. Yeah. <laughs> and learn, learn a few things so then the next one is what is your favorite rowing race um that you find yourself watching over and over again it can be one of your races or it can be another race that you that you just watch a lot uh 
I watched a lot Athens Olympic final race. The way Rocho just powered through everyone not being kind of fast as one of the blocks, but then just kind of keeping that rating up and uh, kept going until she passed everyone out and won in a fine fashion. Yeah, I I used to watch that race a lot, so kind of to inspire myself a little bit. Awesome. That's that's a bit of a different race uh, that uh, that most people choose. So we'll definitely put the the link in the the description below for for people to to go okay. and and find it and watch it. Because what's the usually the favorite one? Um, sure. The two thousand men's pair. That yeah, one. That, that one is. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. Well, you see, it's to me, it's all about like female singles going. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I, I've seen that race already. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, so, yeah. but it's always nice to to have new ones on for people to to go watch. Then the the next question is uh, maybe a controversial one. If you were in charge at World Rowing, what would you change? <laughs> uh, yes, I will make people to row in the rough conditions, like not <laughs> rough, but like. The Rio Rock, you know, I would definitely yeah. pay a bit more attention to the fairness of the weather condition yes. going to the very important regattas. So, because, I mean, people's dreams are shattered with the decisions like that. Yeah. So they should maybe sure. pay. But that's like more a bit of a dig, you know, not, not <laughs> even advice. You just um, you just join yeah. the you just join FISA, work your way to the top just to make <laughs> just to pay back for you. I'll, I'll be the fairness committee. Yeah. I'll be the one deciding who's racing what lane and <laughs> yeah. and what conditions are not suitable. Uh, yeah, I could do that. Maybe I would make it a bit more kid friendly as well. Just around the, like the big competition, like world championships and stuff, make some bit more. I don't know entertainment for kids like competitions on the ergs or I don't actually know if they're happening because I haven't been spectator side much but um, yeah something like that you know small things that can make a little difference yeah I definitely think that they can yeah. they can do a lot more for the spectators that are that are going to watch the, the yeah, gathers so and the people that yeah. are watching online as well like to be able to hear from the athletes a bit more or be able to to participate in some way uh, would make it quite exciting yeah. Bit more spectator friendly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Although it is getting much better than it used to be back in the day, so yeah. we're making steps in the right direction. Yeah, and I mean this world champs yeah. was was really cool, and I mean I think if you were there, you weren't really worrying about anything other than the racing that was happening down the track because it was just absolutely insane. Yeah. And then the the next question, Sunita. This is this is another big one. Um, <laughs> What is your oh PB on the 2K? <laughs> Do I have to say? Yeah, well, it's. I think it's okay for my size. Uh, it's 35.9, 635.9. Mm-hmm. I probably should shave off a few seconds, but I don't know if I can. <laughs> I don't know, it's a funny one, because we never kind of prepare for them properly, so you don't get to have a really good go with them. But, uh, yeah, no, it's I always think, like I think end of the training camp job and stuff, which is fine also. Yeah, yeah. we also, I mean, we also similar. We have our our erg test usually in the beginning of the season. You know, it, it's it, you don't want to compromise your training load just to 
you have yeah. a fast 2k so we're also doing trials in a in quite a heavy load so it's i suppose there are a lot of athletes out there are always interested to see what they could really do if they if they did it towards the end of the season and in good conditions yeah i know maybe we should have like a 2k race after the Olympics. Oh no! Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So I think I would be oh, out. <laughs> out. I'll be peaking at least. So maybe. yeah, that's yeah, very... no. I don't think I'd do. I don't think I'd be up for it anyway. So it's very funny because that's. Yeah, no, I'm happy with the thirty-five-nine. I wouldn't mind that it was a bit faster, but I think for my size and weight, it's a decent enough score. It's it's pretty. It's really impressive, and I really love how like all the athletes you have on the show, then they're like. No, it's not that fast, even though, like, any <laughs> normal person hearing the, the numbers would just be like, that is absolutely insanely quick. Um, so, so I think you can be very proud of, of, of that. So that's very, very cool. Then the last question is, if you could choose a different sport to go to the Olympics in, uh, which, which sport would you choose and why? Uh, athletics, maybe. I've always had. I love athletics. Love wa- love watching athletics, and I think maybe heptathlon. Yeah. Field events and track events all combined. Yeah, I think oh, I'd love to have different things happening and uh, getting more chances to kind of if you do screw up one event, you still have other events to try to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, maybe that one. That's cool. That's a good choice. I think athletics is is always a really cool one uh, to choose. Yeah, probably the favorite one, isn't it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. We, yeah, we get all sorts. Really, everyone has their has some odd sport that they want to try, and yeah, it's really cool. Everyone has different uh, different ideas. It's very cool. Anyway, um, so Sunita, that's that brings us to the end uh, to the end of our interview. Um, is there anything else you want to chat about? Maybe something you missed? Um, well, I don't know if we did. We went like chronologically through all the years of <laughs> me being back in sport in Ireland, and uh, yeah. yeah, I think we covered pretty much everything. Oh, maybe I we had a really good chat. Maybe one more yeah, one would cool. would be quite cool. Is like uh, is just being in the team with the the Donovan brothers. That must be that must be quite interesting because they seem like uh, quite some serious characters. Well, you see, um, yeah, for me they're the same as they always been. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no difference from what I've known before they became silver medalists. And uh, yeah, they're good boys. It's good to see. Like them working really hard, and obviously they they set the bar really high for everyone. So it's kind of fun to be chasing them all the time. It really seems that like the the Irish team has just really started to to come online, and like the depth is growing, and there's just lots of crews coming in, and and a lot of crews performing. I mean, I couldn't we couldn't believe when the Irish team uh, finished second, basically on all the Olympic events on our on the middle table. Which is just absolutely I know. crazy. Pretty awesome, really awesome. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's so. Yeah, cool. That's incredible. It really is cool. For, for such a small team, it's pretty good, I think. And uh, I, I actually believe there's more to come, and hopefully we'll have more boats qualifying in May as well. And yeah, it's very exciting to be part of the Irish squad at such a nice time, such kind of when it's going upwards and. Yeah, and especially yeah, that you've watched it, you've watched it grow and you've watched it develop over all these years. 
So it really, really must be yeah, something very cool to be part of. Yeah, like from the day I joined our team and started, like we've gone a really long way and it's been uh, quite a steady upwards trajectory and maybe we would want it steeper at some places, but I think we're doing pretty, pretty good now lately. Yeah. yeah. And not just talking about medalists, but also the team, like, the under twenty three teams and juniors are all kind of raising the standards as well, and like, yeah, very good. Yeah, it all it all works together. You don't just get uh, you don't just get one of them at uh, right at at a, at a time. You have to do the whole yeah, the whole yeah. picture. Yeah, exactly. And there's a good momentum now, so we picked it up, and hopefully we can keep carrying on the same fashion for another couple of years. Cool. And awesome. maybe more. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that'll be really cool. Um, awesome, yeah. then that's that's a wrap from us. Thanks so much for, for sharing and thanks so much for giving us your time. Yeah. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Best of luck with the show. <laughs> Thank you very thanks. much. Cheers. Have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Cool, so that's a wrap for, for Sunita, but as we said that this episode was recorded in October 2019 and we're now sitting in, uh, in 2020 and a lot has changed uh, with, uh, with the Olympics being postponed and, and the whole world going through a crisis. So we caught up with uh, Sunita and this is what she, she had to say about uh, the current situation. Hi guys, it's been a while since we talked last and obviously there's been a good few things happening since then. Um, so just a little update on how I've been doing since our interview. Um, yeah, the winter's training was going pretty well, uh, was hitting like good targets and everything uh, up until all this corona thing started. Um, yeah, we were in training camp in Italy when it all started kicking up over there. Uh, we kind of got out of there just in time before they locked everything down. So that was kind of close call for us. And uh, then we were able to train at home a little bit on the water until like end of March. And th since then we've been pretty much been on a lockdown. Um, yeah, it was quite disappointing that all this started and obviously uh, having Olympics cancelled had changed so many plans and um, it was quite disappointing at first because I mean like I was planning on kind of being a free free woman next year from training and everything and maybe I don't know I was kind of in between maybe staying for another year or, or retiring but obviously this uh, kind of cancelled all those plans and um, so yeah I was very disappointed in the beginning but then kind of realised that there are definitely a few things I can still work on and uh, another year probably is going to be good for me to improve on some technical things and definitely get a little bit faster as well because I think there's a good few things we can work on to improve that didn't go maybe as well this year um, so yeah that's pretty much it now regards training and lockdown we're kind of we've been training at home for six weeks now and it is quite challenging like 
some days I wake up and I don't want to do absolutely anything but then obviously I know the whole group is doing it and we still have our meetings in the morning and like set training times to keep to some sort of schedule and that helps a little bit I think um yeah some days are better than the others but I suppose just kind of living with a thought at the moment to do the best I can on a day and then when we get out of the lockdown get back on our water and training in a group with it's going to be so much easier and going to appreciate having a group around me even more than before um yeah so we're kind of hoping that we're going to be able to get back to the center maybe in uh two weeks time i think uh that's where they kind of going to ease some of the restrictions um yeah and still carrying on with the program kind of we're definitely doing less volume now because uh, it's just it's too much to do it at home and i mean i live in the apartment so i don't really have a nice backyard or garage so i have like f- few machines in the living room few machines uh, on a rooftop but there's no roof so it's uh yeah, I just kind of have to play it by the day and see what's the best I can do on that particular day. And if I need to adapt some sessions, I'm okay with it. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Thanks, bye. And that's it. Thanks, guys. Um, I hope you really enjoyed that episode as much as we did. Uh, it was, like we said at the beginning, it was such an awesome opportunity to chat to Sunita. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the update just on her current situation and her thoughts going forward. Um, just before we close this episode up, just a reminder out there that we are on PayPal and we would really appreciate um, the support if you guys are willing to to help us out. And also a massive shout out to those people that have supported us already. It's it's quite humbling and, um, you know, it really it helps us uh, bring the, the podcast up a notch and help us plan for the future. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for, for those of you who have supported and yeah, if any of you guys uh, want any information on the on the Row Show or, or want to get hold of us in any way, you can find us uh, all over social media or even just in the show notes uh, of the episode below. There's all our links to our social media and a contact number. So, yeah, guys, I hope you appreciate the show and we'll see you guys again shortly. That's it for us. We're out. Cheers, guys. I'm just going to clap there because then that'll give me a good marker. Although that did nothing. That's not going to help me at all. Nice. Um, <laughs> okay, so then you just...